Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sarah Peck, and this is the Startup Pregnant Podcast. What does it look like to take your work from the corporate world to the freelance world and to begin the path of entrepreneurship? How do you take the hodgepodge or piecemeal of careers that many of us have from many projects with different companies or hopping from job to job and then go into starting a business? One of the things that I am fascinated with here at Startup Pregnant is the idea that we are in perpetual startup mode in many senses of the word in our own lives, in our own careers, in our own journeys. We don't just pick corporate versus entrepreneurship. That is a false dichotomy. Instead, I find that people end up with these really interesting layered careers where they follow projects or purposes or people, and they embed their time and their energy in these various different projects whether or not it looks like a traditional tried and true company, or it looks like building a new endeavor on the side as a branch of a company, becoming an entrepreneur, starting a new initiative, or starting a freelancing or side hustle career, or even starting a company on your own. Today, we talked to Randy Zinn, who is the founder of Beyond Mom. Randy lost her father when she was 25, which affected her emotionally, philosophically, psychologically, and also it set her on a new career path. Her dad was an entrepreneur, and while she thought that she would be going straight from graduate school into a world of media, she ended up on a slightly different path. Today, she is an author a wellness expert and the founder of a site and company and blog and suite of tools called Beyond Mom. Beyond Mom is a company that provides things like wellness retreats, mindfulness at work, encouragement for women, and an overall philosophy and ethos supporting women interested in taking back their right to self-love, self-care, and community. Randy encourages moms to cultivate a life beyond mom, one that embraces the gifts of motherhood but expresses all that they are as individuals. They offer expert interviews, lifestyle advice, stories from moms in their community, podcasts, events, and retreats. Today, we talk to Randy about her career path and the entrepreneurship journey that she's on and what's happening with Beyond Mom right now, today, and where she's going next. Hey, hey, I made a thing and I want to tell you all about it. It's one of our new guides and it's up on our website. One of the biggest struggles in my business isn't coming up with new ideas or doing more. One of the biggest challenges is focusing, figuring out how to do less and making sure I have clarity about doing just the right things. I wish I could say that I had it all figured out and I have a magic wand to make life easier, poof, presto, but not quite. But what I do have is a structure of questions, just three questions that I return to time and time again that helps me sort myself out whenever those piles of to-do lists are getting way too long. It's a three-step process and I walk you through how to do it and what it looks like. Three questions for clarity, simplicity, and a new superpower, which is saying no to the things that you don't actually need to do. If you want the free guide, head to startuppregnant.com slash stop. That's startuppregnant.com slash stop, S-T-O-P. And you can grab the guide for free. The link is also in the show notes. It's our freebie guide for figuring out what to drop, how to do less, and how to simplify your business whenever you feel the chaos descending upon you. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. All right, everyone, I am so excited to have Randy Zinn, the founder of Beyond Mom, joining us today on the show. Randy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I am so looking forward to asking you so many different questions. This podcast is just a great time to dig into all of it, the parenting journey, the entrepreneurship journey. Can you start by telling me about your journey into parenthood? And I know that this isn't a fast question. This is a, sometimes a long question. So feel free to like go back in time and tell us 
when did you know that you wanted to become a parent? Did you know? And and then what was it like for you? Yeah, I think somewhere in the bottom of my soul, I always wanted to be a mom. I was definitely that child with all the baby dolls and all of that nurturing sensibility. But I myself was an only child. So somewhere in my mind, I thought I would have one child and be done. And I I think that's because it was all that I ever knew. And I had... I would say a very positive only child experience, although now I wish I had a sibling now that I'm, you know, in my adulthood, but I just got to like hang out with adults and I really dug it. And I thought that that was what every child should have. So when I met my husband, we were both at a point in our lives where we really knew what we wanted. We were really ready to kind of dive into the partnership experience. And we honestly started trying to have our first child pretty quickly. And unfortunately, fortunately, I had actually an early miscarriage the first go around. And I say fortunately only because, well, I wouldn't have my son, I would have someone else, I guess. But also, I think going through that early experience It really brought my husband and I closer together. It was really kind of like our first shared loss experience. And it really informed how much we really wanted to be parents together. So there was a bright side of it. We conceived my son pretty quickly thereafter. And, you know, he just like, woof, this boy has a personality. And he did from day one and still does to this day. He's six years old. And, you know, he just, (laughs) honestly, we joke that if our daughter who like jumping ahead, I have a two-year-old now, but I'll, I'll get back into why we had a second child and what happened. But we joke that if our daughter was born first, we would be weak people because <laughs> our, <laughs> our son has taught us so much about patience and about communication and about what it means to really manage the needs of another person. And it's really bled into the way in which we manage people and our businesses and just how we kind of flow in the world. He has been a great teacher. So my son is six. And as you can hear from my story, has always been a handful. And that, besides the fact that I always felt like I wanted to be an only child or or have an only child, I said to my husband, I was like, dude, I'm not doing this again for quite some time, if ever. Like, (laughs) I I am like dealing with this one loony kid who I love to pieces, but man, I am tired at the end of the day. And I am going to just do this for now. So for like a solid year, year and a half, but around the time that my son was kind of like into his twos, we started talking about it, but it was definitely my husband being like, I really want to have a larger family. I want to have, you know, two kids. I think the sibling relationship is super important. And I was like, no, no, pump the brakes, not into it, not ready. And that conversation went on for quite some time. And then somewhere around the time that my son was three, early three, I did get pregnant. It was a little bit of a sort of oops, like we were talking about it and then it happened. And at first I was like, oh shit. And then, (laughs) (laughs) and then what was amazing was that very quickly, as I'm sure all your listeners can relate to, I became really protective of the pregnancy, like really fast. You know, you kind of like click into that gear of like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. And this is okay, this is happening. So once I was in it, I was in it. And then fast forward, you know, 10 or 12 weeks later, because nowadays we can find out the gender of the baby pretty much, you know, very early. When I found out I was having a girl, I was like, Oh, God, it is all worth it. It's going to be amazing. And I was just so excited to have a daughter. And so It's just been the coolest experience, I have to say, to have a son and a daughter. They're four years apart. 
and for honestly me to learn what the whole sibling relationship is. I had no idea. And I have learned as I've gone, I've surprised myself by my ability to manage two children against the odds of what I thought. And watching their relationship bloom is just the coolest experience for me. So you know, I'm I'm still in the thick of it, though. I mean, a six-year-old and a two-year-old is a full deck, but I'm loving it. I am, I love my kids to pieces, and you know, it's just been a wonderful kind of surprising journey for me. I have so many questions, so many follow-up questions for this, and I want to start as I always do. I want to start by asking. What kind of work were you doing when you had your first kid? I know some of your background in bio. And were you able to take time off or time away or leave? And can you tell me a little bit more about that setup and that situation? Yeah. So I have probably the least normal life. I mean that not to be humorous, but my career path has been very abnormal. And I'm more than happy to kind of share a little bit about that because it will ultimately answer your question. So basically, I, I've always been somehow involved in the media and in, in the arts. So kind of similar to you, Sarah. And you know, I've worked in magazines and I I got a master's degree in media studies and film at the New School here in New York. I worked for Oxygen, the Women's Network. And when I finished grad school in my mid-20s, I was kind of ready to start exploring a little bit about what it meant to be kind of a freelancer and to work in the media space because I was never a really corporate person. I didn't do well going into the same office every day. I kind of felt like I always needed variety in some way. Well, the universe listened to me for sure because my life has now, since then, always had variety to it for better or for worse. So the story when I was 25 is that very unexpectedly, I lost my dad in an accident. And that was very much the turning point in my entire life, as you can imagine, both emotionally and really professionally, because so many things changed from that point on that set the trajectory of everything I touched. So again, I had just finished graduate school. I was toying in the media world. This tragedy happens. And my dad was an entrepreneur. He was a successful, like literally rags to riches story. He touched the environmental sphere, the financial sphere. He was very much an early forefather in the solar industry, kind of a fascinating hippie visionary, if that gives you a sense. And basically, his life was just completely unprepared for him not to be part of it. And that was both energetically and and on paper. So I, as the only child, had no choice but to actually shift my gears and pay attention to all of the parts of his business life that had no real direction. And luckily, he had a team of people that were trusted and loving and supportive and I had relationships with that were definitely part of the journey with me and helped to guide me. But I very much had to step into his world and his life. And it was a very, very intense few years that really was the picture. All my other free time, honestly, was dedicated towards self-discovery and healing and figuring out what this all meant to me. And that was its own job. So that was a very interesting time, a very painful time. In retrospect, I look at what did I learn? And for sure, I've learned resilience. I've learned how to think strategically. I mean, I've had to make changes. I've sold companies. I've had to let people go that I've known since I was a kid from my dad's companies. Things that most people don't have to go through, I've gone through, and it's very odd, very different. But talk about a feeling of growing into yourself before you're really ready to. That was honestly an early part of my development. So fast forward a few years and things in my dad's businesses began to settle down enough for me to feel like I could think about what else I wanted my life to look like. And as I had been journeying all of this, I became a pretty hardcore yogi, <laughs> which makes sense because it's like, how else would I have handled all that stress? So 
So I got really into yoga and I feel like it was a huge part of my ability to heal. And I decided in 2008 to do a teacher training. And it wasn't even that I intended to teach, but it was that I desperately wanted to have something that was my own and that felt really anchored in a new version of who I was becoming. So I did the teacher training at Laughing Lotus here in New York. And before I knew it, I was teaching. It was it felt a hundred percent the path as I was doing it. And so from about 2008 to 2011, which is the year I had my son, I was teaching yoga and dealing with still my dad's businesses and world that was still kind of a part of my life. So I had this very interesting 50-50 kind of split on things. Now, when my son was coming into the world, I realized that you know the legacy aspects of my life would stay to an extent and that they were part of my life. But I realized I didn't really want to be schlepping from yoga studio A to B to C to teach yoga classes when I had a newborn. That wasn't really going to pay the bills. It wasn't really going to fulfill me in the way that I think it did in those years prior. But I didn't want to lose the spirit of what was happening when I was teaching. And what was happening when I was teaching was that I was really able to take all of the things that I had been through, the way that I felt like my heart had opened through the loss and through the pain and the sadness, and being able to connect to people to their pain and loss and sadness and learn lessons and talk about them and explore them, that was something I didn't want to lose. And so I did what any person would do back then, and I decided to start a blog. (laughs) And so the blog at the time was my name. It was randyzin.com. And I just started writing and I started writing about being a mom and being in New York. And I started writing posts that I called not so scary spirituality, but it was like moments where I was feeling some kind of spiritual connection, but in very real moments in very real time. This was when social media was kind of just kicking into high gear and I didn't really know what I was doing at all, but I started dabbling a little bit and It was in that process and in that time and then becoming a mom and really starting to interact in the mom space and getting to know other moms and seeing the changes that other moms were going through and expressing to me that I started to get inspired to start the very, very early beginnings of what Beyond Mom is now. So that's a little bit of the history of like what I was doing to the point of early motherhood. Mm-hmm. I love hearing all of this because it sets so much context and background. So thank you for taking the time to dive in. And it's cool because then you can start to see how the evolution of your writing and your media and the yoga all come into what Beyond Mom becomes. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm becoming more and more honest and open about the story of it. And it's also why I really respect your approach, Sarah, because it's like, people think that things just come out of nowhere, right? It's like you see a successful person or moment and you're like, oh, boom, their efforts worked. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) wait a minute, you know? Like, no, it's not that linear. And I think the more that we are telling the honest story and the lead up, the more people can see that it's really such a mixture of all these different parts of ourselves most of the time. I love that you said that because I think I think one of the things about getting the, the fuller story too is we have this like hyper individualization in the Western world of like individual success and like solo founders and look how I did it. And it's like, no, actually, like motherhood is the very definition. And I know you believe this because I've read so much of your work, the very definition of needing community, like and needing lots of people to be a part of it and to inspire you and influence you and help you. So it's great to like hear the groundwork. So keep going. Tell us then you start writing, you are creating the foundation for something you don't even know is coming yet. When did you, was there an aha moment for Beyond Mom or when did that kind of switch happen and where was it in relationship to your babies? Okay. So let's say like the first year of my son's life was very much writing. And I would call because I can't, I did do quite a bit of 
creative research in the media realm, I would call it my ethnographic period. It was like the times <laughs> where <laughs> the times where I was out and about and I was talking to women and I was understanding like what's on women's minds and why are women feeling either content or why are they in struggle? And I started to meet all of these women that were leaving their prior career force or career situations and commitments to start something that they simply felt really passionate about. And yeah, there was business model and and revenue involved, but these women were making these pivots. And it wasn't just about, oh, I want more time with my kids. It was like, yeah, I want more time with my kids and I want flexibility, but I actually really care about this issue. And I started to say, hmm, like, okay, something really happens. Like women definitely start to expand. And the difference of a woman who feels kind of caught in this transition and the woman who feels like she is mobilized and ready to embrace it, you know, what's that gap? What's that difference between woman A and woman B? Um, So these were all kind of things that I was really wondering in my mind and naturally sort of exploring and investigating. I was, again, writing. I was writing for my own blog. I started writing for some other media outlets. And simultaneously, I also started holding retreats for moms uh, with a friend of mine very early on. I think we had our first retreat when my son was about 11 months. So it really was in the year one of his of his life. And this was a friend of mine who I used to teach yoga with in the city who had moved upstate to where I'm from. And she and I are both moms and in the yoga space, she's a social worker. And I had randomly been doing a renovation in the house in which I had grown up in, which was now mine through all the drama I previously told you about. And we decided to create a studio space. Well, when the studio space was done and I invited my friend over, we were both like, hmm, why do we feel like something needs to happen here? And we came up with this idea of a retreat for moms. And we started experimenting. And you know, fast forward to now, we've done these retreats for six years solid. And they're amazing. And we'll, we'll get back into the retreats because that's more of like my current my current stuff. Mm-hmm. But so I started doing these retreats and this was like ethnography level two. It was like these day experiences where women came to just download, to do yoga, to be around other women, to have deep conversation. And wow, I got so much information about what women were needing on a deep level. So that was huge. And then back here in the city, I started to play around with gatherings for women as well. Like you know, let's get together in the evening hours, get dressed up, get a break from, you know, the the hustle bustle of your work or being in your sweats all day with your kid. Come gather, be around other women in the same sort of pocket that you're in and let's be inspired. And I would bring together these amazing speakers and just like kick it up a notch in the room. So I think the first one that I held I decided to call it a Beyond Mom Mixer. Now, I had no idea that my company was called Beyond Mom at that time. I just thought to myself, what would an event feel like and look like if women came together and they got to explore all these parts of themselves beyond their mom identity? And that was what I wanted these events to be. So I had about one or two of them. And then that was the light bulb moment because the room was buzzing Everyone felt so inspired. Everyone showed up looking just radiant. And I really started to feel the magic in the room when I brought people together. And I saw that I was able to hold that space in a certain kind of way and that that there was something of my gift happening there. And that was when I was like, beyond mom, wait a minute. I think that might be the name of all of this. (laughs) So it was kind of a funny moment that it really, the light bulb of the name and what it all really boiled down to really happened. Mm, That makes so much sense. Yeah, it wasn't the opposite. I didn't know it until I was already kind of doing it. So, you know, I just to pause for a second and say, like, when people ask me for advice, I get that people have, you know, we have budgets and we have things we can and can't spend. But we also, I think, have to be willing to experiment to a point and be willing to kind of get a little messy and explore something before maybe we know exactly what it is. And there's a very organic 
process that can evolve that way. Absolutely. And startup pregnant listeners know that I spent almost two years trying to write a book before I stumbled into making a podcast, before that stumbled into becoming a business. And it wasn't until I almost got hit over the head with it that I even figured it out. And I don't even, I can't even tell you, I don't think I figured it out, right? I don't think that's, the arrival isn't the thing. It's the the process of experimentation. It's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So once I got that, I was like, okay, so this is all about women really, really nurturing the parts of themselves that must have nurturing in order to be a whole person. That's like not just the mom stuff. And then once I started really looking around, I saw just how much attention was put on the motherhood self and not on the self. So I got a little bit obsessed with that and really just started doing everything that I kind of already named to you, like having more and more events, having more and more retreats, doing more and more writing and content and like seeing where that all went. Then I did get pregnant with my daughter and it was in that, I would say in that year leading up to, hmm, to getting pregnant and being pregnant with her that my book idea really came into play. I also started my podcast, by the way, somewhere in the mix there. I don't know. called On Air with Beyond Mom. So I also love doing this myself, like having great conversations with other women. It's like, yes, of course. So I did that. And my book idea came to me because I always wanted to write a book. I always knew that would be part of my flow. But I think the book piece was because I really believed that what I was creating had a real story to it. Like there was a message that had to get out there, but I didn't have that thing to anchor the story on, like for, you know, press or for that next level pickup. And I, I've watched enough people to know that a book can be a really great way of doing that. So I think it was totally meant to be because the minute that I had the idea for the book and I started getting out there with it and talking to my network, it was like everything just flowed into my lap. Like I found an amazing writing coach. I got, you know, the real outline of of at least the first half of my book, like really tight. I started writing. Uh, some people do it the opposite. They come up with a proposal and then they market the book and and then they write. I felt I think I was called by my muses or something, but I just knew I had to like get the content out and really write it out and then, and then sell it or something. So that's what I did. I was writing, 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 and very strict with my schedule around writing. And at first I was really open to a traditional publishing situation or a self-publishing one. But my writing coach, who's a a best-selling author numerous times was like, no, 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 like, let's give this a go. Like, if you're working this hard on it, like, I think there's a market. And before I knew it, I was talking to agents and I met my agent who I love, who was also a newish mom at that time. I met her for the first time weeks after my daughter was born. Like, I remember it was one of those meetings where like you're an exhausted mess and your boobs are like huge and leaking and you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing at this table. I'm a mess, but I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of those. And I remember sitting down with her and she was like, I really love what you do and I love the spirit of it and I want to work with you. And I was like, oh, really? Oh my God. Okay. And then like from that point on became the process of creating the book proposal and selling the concept. And that happened, I guess, a handful of months after. And then the rest of the creation of the book happened and the book launched this past September. So it was, you know, a nice, beautiful journey. And it continues because a book is like a baby. You have to continue to nurture it. (laughs) And it's all been evolving now through my daughter's life and she's two and it's been really cool to kind of show my kids the process of being out there pursuing what I'm passionate about launching a book my little ones really get it like they get that mommy has a book and my son wrote me this really cute note and he's in first grade so writing and reading is like you know newish He wrote me this really cute Mother's Day note from school where there were like these little prompts and they filled out the rest of the sentences. And one was like, I think my mommy looks the most beautiful. And he wrote when she's going to one of her events. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I was like, oh my God, it's just so funny. The things that they notice, like when you put yourself at a certain level and hold yourself accountable to yourself, like they're watching and they see it, you know? Yeah, they do. So they see everything. Yeah. So, you know, right now my business is, is evolving and I'm really happy with what the book launch has allowed me to do, which is really, really dive into this story of what it means to go beyond mom. And for me, the realization has so much been that our culture just does not support a woman, forget a mom, but a woman to really and truly nurture who she is on the deepest of levels. And so you add in all the challenges of motherhood and how intense it is. And it just feels like you are swimming upstream all the time. And so much of the confusion that we have as a woman, like, you know, do we stay home with our kids? Do we go back to work? Do we start a business? What what do we do with ourselves? We expect ourselves to know what's right, but we don't know how to carve out space to just go inward and to listen in and to have quiet and to hear our inner wisdom. We just don't have that space. And I believe we must for ourselves to feel actually present and actualized in how we really want our life to look. Yeah. I, I So much of what you're you're saying, I want to dive further into because one of the things I found so compelling about the description of your book, I'll read it just because it's here in front of me, that the 1.2 million women in America each year who choose not to return to traditional work after having children have found themselves filled with an unexpected creative energy, but lack the knowledge and network to tap into it. This theme that you're talking about, about how motherhood can be so transformative, but also I think I think part of it, and you you mentioned this even in the beginning when you were sharing your work story, work seems to be pretty broken for a lot of people. Like they're not interested in the corporate world or parenthood is like a wake-up call for them. And it doesn't fit schedule-wise. It doesn't fit calling-wise. It doesn't satisfy us. And so there are women who are leaving the traditional workforce in droves that know they want to do something else, but they don't necessarily know what it is. They just know that that thing isn't working. How do you, from my understanding from the outside, something that you do in your business is you help women to reconnect to their inner selves, their like spaces of quiet, moments of retreat, connecting to each other in order to help facilitate less loneliness, right? Less disconnect. Can you talk specifically to your path. And I want to get into like the nitty gritty of it because there's a little bit of an elephant in the room here and and I'll bring it into the room with us, which is this varies depending on our finances and depending on our network and depending on our levels of privilege. And not everyone has the time and space to be able to, to do this. They may be hustling to get food on the table. So can you talk to us as openly and honestly as you can about what it was like for you? Did you have space to explore what provided that space for you? And and how were you able to start this, this business in those raw early days of motherhood? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think about that nonstop. I have built into my brand values that I want all women, regardless of economic situation, of you know racial background, of anything that could make anyone feel like they're not part of the mainstream, to feel that they belong and they belong here with around me. And that's got everything to do from my own roots. As I said, uh, my dad did achieve success in his career. But it did not start out that way. There is, (laughs) my family comes from meager, meager roots. And so I didn't grow up in that mentality at all. And I grew up in an area that struggled. And even my dad, you know, achieving what he did over the course of my lifetime stood out in the area that I was from. So all of my friends were (laughs) coming from families that were just figuring out how to make it work. So that way of living was way more normal to me than, you know, areas and families of privilege. So, so that is part of my world. And similarly, you know, my husband, he's a a Midwesterner. We are a, a, a multiracial family. So I feel like I'm always taking into consideration the perspectives of people who are not exactly like me. 
And this is something that I think from a, and I'll speak to anyone who's building a brand here, you have to continually pose those questions and make sure that you're not using your own privilege, your own backgrounds, your own perspectives, and sort of disconnecting from that of the other. So I mean, it's very much built into my brand framework that everyone should feel welcome. So I thought also, as I was writing this book, that this book is something that most people can afford, most likely, you know, even if it's $10, you know, something I'm, I'm really need information, I need inspiration, I'm going to get myself a book. And I thought about across the board, of course, I'm living in the middle of Manhattan, where most women who are working or working for themselves can afford some version of childcare. But what about the woman that can't? And what about the woman that's a single mom? Or what about the woman who has multiple children and three jobs and, like you said, struggling to put dinner on the table? What about her? Well, I thought about that woman the whole time. And I even had friends and relatives read my scripts and tell me what stood out to them, like what felt like it did not speak to them or it felt like they were being excluded somehow. So I I went through lots of versions of really testing how I was expressing that. So in all of the sections of the book, and then this of course goes into the way that I express the content when I speak or hold an event or, or anything, I thought about what does it really all come down to? It comes down to creating quiet space. And it comes down to the most basic essence of what we all have. And at the end of the day, like what we all have is our body, our breath, and the moment, right? I mean, that's really all we have. Everything else is really just an illusion. Everything can change in a heartbeat, as I've learned and as we all figure out at one point or another. And I thought about what can we do in the most basic moments? Is it a meditation in our breathing when we're rocking our child to sleep? Is it when we're walking from one job to the next? Is it figuring out how to get a workout in when we actually cannot afford childcare, but we actually really need to strengthen our core so that we our back doesn't hurt? What is it? And how do I fit in those tips and tools for women in a way that's digestible and that's encouraging, even if she feels like she cannot afford another dime. So all of that content is built into everything that I try to talk about. Now, my story, I'm blessed. I was able to afford childcare. I've been able to figure out how to take care of my body. I've been able to afford the time to invest in creating a brand that to me is full of my values and my mission to help women. That's something I've been blessed to be able to do. But part of my commitment is to make sure that I'm inclusive in every way that I express it of women who maybe don't have the blessings that I have. I know it's it's such a it's such a pain point for me because I think that there's this untapped potential of women and women entrepreneurs especially and then there's such a shortage of basic like fundamental universal childcare and help in the early postpartum days and even the the like non-specific things that help it's the invisible help of like, oh, having a parent down the road or having a friend that has a place you, you can work out of or having that next step up that's not available to everyone. And it just drives me so – it just makes me so mad because I think there's so much potential and so many creative ideas that are getting – you know that go unborn because we have such a part of my French shitty system in the United States. Mm-hmm. There's also parts of the country that I think have more access to information and inspiration than others. And so part of that is system. Part of that is just like general access. You know, you ask most, you know, most women in New York and, you know, regardless of economic level, they're going to just know about certain things more than, you know, a similar setup than somewhere in the Midwest. And part of that, you see that through like food deserts and then places like New York, where there's all this like great healthy food, even for a little less expensive. So, you know, it all, it affects everything. Yeah. This actually brings me to a question that someone, I pulled my community about what we should talk to you about. And one person asked me, they said, 
I have amazing business owners that are also moms and we connect virtually, like there's the digital sphere, but not in real life because she is in one of those desert areas, as you say. She's like, they all, all the communities in her local area are for stay at home moms. And she just doesn't connect in that vibe because she wants to talk so much about business and building and systems. So she wanted to know from you if you had tips on how do you find a local community and what do you do when you feel like you aren't the stereotype out there or you're kind of carving this new path into motherhood? Do you have thoughts on that? Because I know that you do so many live and in-person events. I do. I mean, this is one of those things and, and I'm talking to myself about this right now because I'm starting to launch more of my retreats more often, both in the Hudson Valley where I'm from and um, down here in the city. So I'm going to be very honest and I'm going to say sometimes getting people to show up in real time is really hard. It's very hard to get people, one, to just step out of their you know regular flow, their normal flow. It's hard sometimes to you know, maybe get childcare or even to get your partner or a friend or a grandparent to step in if you want to step out. There's a lot of barriers. There's also the barriers mentally. I mean, part of the problem is that we need Beyond Bomb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that sounds funny to say, but I, I, somebody, I think it was the woman that wrote the forward of my book. She said something like, I wish we didn't need Beyond Mom, but we do. It's like, Women have to get out of the mindset that once we have children, that's it. So you're dealing with those mental barricades in terms of getting women to step out of their flow and to show up for one another and together. So bringing women together in real time is hard. I do it all the time and I've done it for years. However, here's the bright side. When women get together, it is magical. And nobody realizes how much they want it and need it until they're there. And so part of it is staying the course and knowing that you are creating something and bringing women together because they need it. And you're dealing with their resistance, you know, but you're, but you got to get through it. So, so that would be my response from like the big picture standpoint, like understand and own that women coming together in real time is something that women thrive upon. We are communal beings. We're not meant to be separated. We are, we thrive in a village atmosphere. So in terms of like the nitty gritty details, I mean, I think what I would do if I was in a place where it was more spread out and potentially it was harder to get people together, I would probably use the online sphere to get people aware and ready to join in the offline sphere. So if you're in a place where you know people are many miles apart, I would start letting people know through using Facebook or you know any of these other tools, hey, guess what? I'm bringing people together. We're joining, we're doing this, we're doing that. See if someone can be a speaker, you know, see what's what, see if you can start stimulating interest. Also know that you have to be committed to doing things on the repeat. You know, you can't just do a one-off and if people come, but not enough people, you're done. I've had to do this over the course of years and it's been over time that people show up again and again and believe in what you're doing. So you have to start in a way that's manageable. I don't think you have to put a lot of money into anything. What's lovely is that places like cafes or workspaces they or, or boutiques, they want people to know about them. So often they're willing to host and bring people in. So space you can find creatively. So you kind of have to get creative and be willing to stay the course and really believe and understand that community is important for women. I love two things that you're saying here right now. And the first, the the big picture aspect, I like how it applies not just to people who have entrepreneurship as an interest or business building as an interest, but any mom who has anything as an interest outside of your children, or even if it's like super geeky, you know, like refinishing your cabinets or your knitting group or the books that you're reading, like whatever your interests are, those are worth cultivating and connecting with other people. And and just as a philosophy of you as a human being, being your own individual self. 
And then the second one, this is, I can echo this a thousand percent. It takes time. Sometimes only four people show up to the first, even online, like Facebook Live you know, that you're hosting. And then, but they see it or they hear about it or they think about it. And then the next time, maybe six people and then maybe 12 and then 25. And it just, it takes a minute. So even if you reach out to 10 different people in your local community and one person joins you for coffee, just hooray, you had an awesome coffee date. Or if you get to go and nobody shows up and you read a book because you took an hour for yourself, also, that's awesome. (laughs) And do it again, right? It takes time. I love, love that you said that. Yeah. So tell us about where your business is today. What's the structure of Beyond Mom? I know that you run so many things. You've got events and you've got content creation and you've got a podcast. Like, what is the what is the big picture for you right now? And what are you focused on growing into next? Well, I feel like what's been great is over the past year, I've really gotten to be known for the things that I love to do the most, which is to create great conversations, bring women together, and really inspire people through the the conversations that I'm shaping. I do a lot of panel creation and moderation. The retreats have been these beautiful, beautiful experiences. So I've reached a place where I'm ready to really step all those things up to the next level. So the next model for me is about more retreats, more valuable retreats, more content that's in partnership with brands that really speak to the Beyond Mom life and bringing the panels and the discussions and the experiences into the companies and into the platforms and places where women are ready to connect. So this is this is where it's going. It's like everything I'm doing, it's like, okay, let's keep doing it and let's do it on the next level. And tell us about these urban retreats, because I saw the first one come up. I was in the middle of my first trimester of pregnancy and was doing more vomiting than events, to be perfectly transparent. (laughs) I just knew. I was like, well, that looks amazing. But I really loved a lot of what it offered because it seemed to be solving a lot of the problems, especially for mothers, like not having to go overnight and being local. And so tell me about what an urban retreat is and what it entails. Well, it's like basically heaven and everybody who <laughs> co- and everybody who comes is just like, wow, I need more. And I will say we have our next one coming up on June 3rd, Sunday, June 3rd, here in the city in partnership with an amazing place called Space by Mama Medicine. And it's all themed around healing. And that's healing on every level. So I usually start the day with some kind of movement. And then we have a circle discussion around the theme. We have a beautiful lunch. And then we have a gathering of that is some kind of experience. So this time there'll be a healing process that's led by Mama Medicine because this is what they do. And before you know it, the day is done, but everyone leaves feeling like they just had a weekend away. But I try to keep it, like you just said, the fact that it's hard to go away for longer than a day. But I feel like almost every woman could figure out a day. You know, like at the end of the day, your child will be okay with someone for a day. So yeah, I'm really excited about that one coming up soon. And do you do them multiple times a year? You said you're ramping up events. So how many times a year are you going to be launching these? Hopefully several a year in the city and several a year out of the city. So for all the New Yorkers who are local or people that want to fly and visit New York. So where can people find out about you? What's the best website? And where are you active on the internet? I'm very active. As much as I love real time, I am online. So my website is beyondamom.com. And all my events are posted under the events tab. So that's the easiest way to find everything linking to tickets, all the good stuff is there. I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram at Randy Zinn. That's R-A-N-D-I-Z-I-N-N. Beyond Mom has a Facebook page where I do Facebook Lives and all kinds of other good stuff. And let's see. Twitter, yeah, but I'm, you know, Twitter, Twitter. So yeah, those are the best places to find me and to follow and to know everything that Beyond Mom has going on. Thank you so much for taking the time and for joining us on this podcast and sharing your story. Sarah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. If you enjoyed listening to these episodes with women going behind the scenes and telling the truth about their lives, I have found it really 
rewarding and therapeutic even to hear different people's stories of what happens when things are unexpected and not quite what you had planned for. So if that is something you appreciate and want to hear more of, and maybe it helps you feel a little bit less alone in this journey of parenting and business, I have a couple of episodes you might appreciate if you haven't listened to them yet. Episode number three, with Nicole Walters. She became a foster parent and an entrepreneur all in one year, and she had three children enter her life suddenly. Episode number six with Tamson Webster is an unexpected story of divorce and when parenting totally knocked her sideways and wasn't anything like what she expected. And she ended up becoming not the primary parent or the default parent, but creating a new arrangement with her partner. Episode number 27 with Bridget Gleason. She talks about the way in which her life also totally shifted when she had kids. And she went to work part-time as a sales professional, but asked for a very particular set of circumstances. And she said, listen, I am the number one sales representative and I want to be paid if I am still the number one sales representative, like I am working full time, even if I'm not working full time, her negotiation strategy and her perseverance are remarkable. And then lastly, episode number 51 with Kathleen Shannon, she is one of the creators of Being Boss. And she has a story of postpartum depression and how tremendously challenging having her kid was and why she ended up going on medication and becoming such a passionate advocate for daycare because of how much help she realized that all parents need when we undergo this journey. So if any of these episodes resonates for you or you are experiencing something like this, go take a listen. The links are in the show notes. That's episode number three, six, 27, and 51. And you know, I always say this and I mean it. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like our show. It takes a few seconds and it really does help us a lot. If you want more of what we're talking about, go over to startuppregnant.com and get on our email list. We send out a weekly newsletter with time-saving tips for parents and entrepreneurs. And I always include a weekly gadget or tool or something awesome that we've stumbled upon to help make your life just a little bit easier. And as always, you can reach out to us at hello at startuppregnant.com. We love hearing from you.